for so many wonderful gifts and uh, influences in my life through that experience, and, and I'm just pleased to be here with you this morning. Pat and I go way back to college, and we've been close friends for many, many years, and uh, I love them dearly. So thank you for inviting me and giving me an opportunity to share with you this morning. I order a business here. I want to make sure this thing's working. Click. Click. Hold on. Is there an on button? That helps. See the red light? Everybody see the red light? Okay. Hey! All right. We're ready. We're ready. Um, I'll add, maybe, maybe this will help, because I know there's, it's, it's kind of nice to know a little bit about the person who's talking, you know. So I, I am married to Terry, and we've been married for 19 years. I have six kids. And I find it really ironic that I have five daughters and a son because Pat has five daughters and a son. And what are the chances of that? You know, that's pretty, that's pretty strange. But uh, I'll take it. I, 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 am, um, I am a weak man. I don't have it all together. I have a lot of things to grow in. And I was thinking about what to share here this morning and, and praying over it. And kind of halfway through my preparation, I was going in one direction, and then I just woke up one morning, and it was, it was like 3.30 in the morning. And, and I just feel like the Lord just kind of nudged me in a different direction. And, I, and this is where I ended up. So I'm, I'm going to trust that was God's move, and, and I hope it's better than the other direction we went. But I know our theme this summer is walking with Jesus, walking with Jesus. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is walking with Jesus carefully. Walking with Jesus carefully. And I want to look at um, this concept of being careful just to kind of set us up. Okay? The word in the passage we're going to look at in Ephesians for careful is this Greek word called akrobos. And it's very similar to English. There's not a big mystery here. But I did notice one word that my wife has taught me that popped up in the Greek definition here. And it's this concept of circumspection. Has anybody heard that word being circumspective? It's, yeah, okay, a couple. It's not a common word, but it's, it's very good to know this word. It's helped me, and it's helped my wife a lot. It's helped me, uh, probably more me than my wife. It's this idea, you know, it, if you put, put it together, you got circumspection, right? You got a perspective, and then circum is the front end of that word. You know, most of us see about 150 degrees or something like that. If there's an optometrist in the room, I'm probably wrong. I'm sorry. But most of us see... See, about 150 degrees, at least that's what I can do with my peripherals, you know. The concept of being circumspective is that the full circumference around you is visible. And you're paying attention to it. Kind of like your mom. <laughs> you know, she had eyes back there. You know it. You don't know how she saw th certain things. Why? Because she was paying attention. She was circumspective. She knew what you were doing, and she was, she was alert and aware and, and careful 
in how she approached her interactions with you, life. My, you know, when you're circumspective, it's not just what you see, but it's situational understanding. You understand, if you're circumspective, you're, you're thinking about how, am, how, am what I, how is what I'm doing right now affecting everybody else? Not just these people, but what about these people? And, the, and, and this circumstance. How, you know, when you're circumspective and, and uh, you, you come into situations, you, you're, you're, not, you're not necessarily quick to just charge in recklessly, right? You're, you're, you're thinking about about your environment and, and, and the course that you're going and, and you're computing lots of information. Why? Because you want to be careful. There's a connection between expanding what you're considering in life and being careful in life. And did you know that God wants you to be careful how you live? He wants you to be careful. Our passage today is Ephesians 5, starting in verse 15. We're going to look at this in depth today. And I just want to read it out loud with you. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Understand what the Lord's will is. You know, we want to walk carefully in life. Many reasons God wants us to walk carefully, but I'm, I'm going to go through a couple of them. The first one is that every moment of your life matters. Every moment of your life matters. We don't get do-overs. As time progresses, everything you do and everything you don't do, God says, matters. In fact, in Romans, it talks about someday we're all going to stand before God and give an account for our lives. Both the good things that we've done, the faithful things that we've done, and the bad things that we've done, the sinful things that we've done. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are going to stand before God and, and, and your life will be reviewed and you will be rewarded for every step of faith you took, every good word you spoke, every good thing you did. God is going to reward you for that. And with regards to the sin that you've committed in your life as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what? you're going to stand before God with a prepayment on all of the sin that you've committed in your life. By the blood of Jesus Christ, all that sin is going to be forgiven and you're going to enter into your master's happiness and it's going to be wonderful. But if you don't know Christ, if you don't know Jesus, and you have not put your faith and trust in him, the Bible is very clear that you are going to stand before God and when he reviews your sin, you're going to get an invoice. And that's going to be what you owe. And you will go to God's eternal prison, separated from him for all eternity. 
Why? Because every moment of your life matters. Do you see that? Every moment of your life has eternal significance. God is tracking it way better than we are. Every moment of your life matters. We have a dear uh, sister in this church. You know her, her name's Sherry. And last week I was here at the service and, and we, there, there was a prayer for her, a, a prayer time for her because she's facing some significant health issues. And I bet you if you sat across from her and looked her in her eye and asked her for some thoughts, she would look back at you and she would say, don't take a single day for granted. Don't take anything for granted because life is short. Life is short. And every moment of your life matters. So be careful. We're careful with what's important to us. We're careful with what's valuable to us. Another reason to be careful is because we live in evil days. And I'll just briefly say, you know, this, we, we've been living in evil days for a long time. This is nothing new, okay? But don't expect this world around you to lead you down a path of good investment and careful living. It is going to try to veer you off this careful walking with Jesus every chance it gets. We live in evil days. Watch out. We need to be careful. We need to be alert. We need to be circumspective. We're going to dig into this passage in Ephesians. And um, you can't see it very well, but there, verse 17 there is green on my screen. It looks like it's yellow back there. I'm sorry. But we're going to go from green to yellow to red. Okay? And we're going to start out as we pull this passage apart and go into it a little bit, we're going to start out just looking at this verse 17. It says, Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If you want to walk carefully with Jesus, we need to start with a vision of God's will. You know, how do you know if you're being careful? If you've got a vision, let's just say for... Let's say the vision for your life is, is, to be, is to earn $10 million to live off in your retirement years, okay? If that's the sole vision for your life, you'll be careful to see that happen. But that's not necessarily what God wants. That's not necessarily God's vision, God's plan. That might not align. And so you'll be careful to see something happen. You'll be careful in how you live. But if you don't anchor and center your carefulness around God's vision and what's important to him and what's on his heart, then you won't be living very carefully in accordance with Ephesians 5. So I want to start with that. It's a foundation to understand what's on God's heart, what's important, what's his will. It says, I, I could talk all morning about this, but I won't. I'm just going to read one passage to us here this morning. It's the Great Commission, and it's found in Matthew 28. It says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely 
I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, what's significant about this passage is I went too far. Hold on. This is the Great Commission. It's the Great Commission. And it reveals God's great purpose for all his followers. And it reflects what he's passionate about. What God cares about are the souls of men and women. That is the most precious thing to him in this whole earth. What he cherishes, what he values, what he sacrifices for, what's really important to him are the souls of men and women. That's why he says, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, teaching them to do everything I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always. Go. That's his calling. That's his plan. You know, you look at Luke 15, and, and you see this lost sheep in a group of a hundred. And the, lost, the sheep gets lost and it says the shepherd leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. And when he finds him, he rejoices because he found his lost sheep. And God says, just like that, likewise, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous who don't need to repent. And men and women, God's heart is for the people outside these walls. He loves us. But he cares a lot about the people out, out there. Those lost sheep, they got, heaven's going to explode with celebration when that one sheep is found. God loves the people out there. And, and, and our vision and mission in life needs to value what God values. So be careful how you live, and make sure, make sure your vision of God's will is central around the Great Commission. If we want to walk carefully, we also need to learn the second part of our passage here. It just simply says, making the most of every opportunity. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Walking carefully with Jesus requires what I'm calling a most-making hopefulness. A most-making hopefulness. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. <clears throat> If we, if I, if we believe in God in such a way that we have great hope in what he's going to accomplish in and through us, we'll take opportunities that we won't take otherwise. We'll, you know, we need to be hopeful in how we think about other people. We need to have hope. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, This is why we labor and strive. Because we have put our hope in the living God, 
who is the Savior of all people. Why did Paul labor and strive? Because he had put his hope in God. Not his own effort, not his own abilities, not what he could do, but his hope was in God, in what God could do. And I'll just, I'll, I'll just share this. I, I have a couple experiences in my life where there was opportunities. One of, one of them, well, many opportunities, obviously, and I haven't made the most of all of them. But I want to share a couple where God, that God really blessed. I made a terrible decision, financial decision at least, when I purchased my townhome back in the early 2000s. Okay? That was a long time ago. I bought at a high price with, not, with a not a great interest rate, and five or six years after I bought it, it was worth half as much. The housing bubble popped, and here I was sitting with a house that I couldn't sell for half what I bought it for. And I was wringing my hands about that a little bit. God, I felt like you were pulling me into this situation, and I was concerned. But you know what? God brought two people, two families, into this townhome, one on my right and one on my left. And my wife and I started, we, we, we were hopeful about what God might want to do with these two families. And we started reaching out to them and building relationship with them and praying for them regularly. And I remember taking Jeremy out to a Twins game, you know, and, and inviting him to join my softball team. And, and uh, I remember, you know, hanging out with Jeff and, and uh, bringing, bringing barbecue chicken over for the Vikings games. And, and I was hopeful, I was trusting that God was going to do something in their lives. And over the course of a couple years, several years, God brought both of them and their wives to Christ. And they are serving God today and loving Jesus today. And I look back on that terrible decision I made to buy that house and I think, God, thank you. Thank you. What a joy. What a joy. And, by the way, you know, I sold that house after prices increased again and my perspective changes about it, et cetera, et cetera. But, but let me just say this, men and women. I, I, you know, as I was preparing this message, I was, I was convicted. Again, I was thinking about how hopeful am I right now in this new neighborhood that I live in? How hopeful am I right now with what God might want to do around me in the lives of these neighbors? And I'll tell you this, I'm, I'm not very hopeful, particularly with a few. And you know what? You know what? It affects how I treat them, and it affects how I interact with them. And there are a lot of things I don't say and do because I don't have a lot of hope there. Men and women, if you want, if you want to walk carefully with Jesus and have a most making hopefulness. It's, it's a non-negotiable. Your 
actions and activity will flow out of what you believe God can and will do through you. You can't separate the two. Making the most. You know, I... I have a question for you. I think I skipped over a couple there. Thank you. Are you a hopeful Christian? Are you a hopeful Christian? Do you have hope? You know, how powerful is the God that you worship to you? What do you believe he might do through you? You know, early on in Ephesians earlier, God is described as, as someone who can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. What can you imagine? We have a God of hope. Romans 15. Let's go. Romans 15 says this. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, that is your destiny as, and, and birthright as a believer in Jesus Christ to be filled with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That, that is where God is leading you. Now, I want to I just stop here for a moment because I want to I be clear about what I'm not saying in this. Okay, Sometimes, I got, sometimes you got to do that. Um, what I'm not saying because I know there's people who are going through seasons in life where you're grieving a loss, where you're struggling, and you have a bucket of tears that you've got to cry because something has happened, and you haven't cried them all yet. What I'm not saying is that hope means you just put a smile on your face all the time. What I'm not saying is that you need to somehow put on a mask, drum up some sort of energy, and show the world how happy you are when you're not. There are seasons of grief. Just look at, look at the Psalms is full of complaints. The Psalms is full of sorrow. The Psalms is full of frustration. Full of people who are experiencing depressed feelings. I'm not saying that those people are without hope. What I am saying is in spite of what you're facing, no matter how dark it is, I know this, that the good shepherd is with you, I know this, that even though you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't need to fear evil because God is with you and that his mercy and his goodness is following you all the days of your life. And if you know Jesus Christ, you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever, no matter what you're facing. No matter what you're facing. You can have hope. You can be a hopeful Christian. 
God is leading you to do that? What might you dare to do? What might you dare to do to make the most of every opportunity? If you were overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'll tell you, I think you'd, I think you'd make the most of every opportunity if you were overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I think that's precisely what you'd do. Is you'd make the most of the opportunities. And you know what? This doesn't just apply to evangelism. How about your marriage? Are you hopeful? Are you overflowing with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit regarding your marriage because you believe God is able to help you walk through whatever situation you're facing? How about your parenting? Are you hopeful? Can you embrace hope this morning as a follower of Jesus and know that he is able to do immeasurably more than you could ask or imagine with your kids? How about your church? Are you hopeful? Are you hopeful that God is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine with your church and the situations, the relationships that you're in right now? Coworkers, this spreads and bleeds into our entire lives, people. And God is leading us and calling us to believe him for big things and trust him in the midst of whatever circumstances we're facing. And that is critical for careful living. Critical. We need a vision of God's will. We need a most making hopefulness. Let's, let's look at that last passage of, of Ephesians here. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Not as unwise, but as wise. You know, to walk carefully with Jesus, we need to delight in wisdom. We need to delight in wisdom. You know, I'm just going to jump right in. There, there are many foolish paths to take. But there's only one wise path to take. Walking with Jesus carefully turns us away from foolish living and back home. You may be aware, I'm sure you are, of this passage in ooh, Luke 15. There's this account, the story that Jesus tells of a prodigal son. Someone who took his, it's this boy, who took his father's inheritance and he, he just left. And it says he went to this city and he lived recklessly. He lived foolishly. He squandered all of his inheritance. And he got to this point where he was sitting with the pigs, feeding the pigs. And it says he came to his senses. When he came to his senses, he said this, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, My father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. He 
came to his senses. He went down this path of foolishness, reckless living, and he finally got to a point where he decided to delight in wisdom again. And he said, I'm done. I'm going back home. This is foolish. I don't want to live this way anymore. Now, maybe there's someone out here today. Maybe there's someone out here today who is sitting in a place similar to that prodigal son. Maybe today you're you're eating the, the pig food next to the pigs or you want to. You're hungry. And you've come to the end of reckless living and you want to make a change. Maybe you need to come back. Maybe you need to come back for the first time. And I just want to tell you, delight in wisdom and, you know, if you turn back and you come back, let me tell you about this God I know, this Father in who's representing God the Father in this story that Jesus talked about. You know what he did? He was sitting on his porch or something, and he sees from a long way off, he sees his son coming back down the road. If you want to turn back, God wants to run to you, and he wants to give you new sandals, and he wants to put a robe on you and a ring on your finger and welcome you into his family. That's how he feels about you right now. If you're sitting next to the trough and you want to come back home for the first time, come. Don't delay. Come home and experience that warm embrace from God. He's he's calling you, and he wants you to come home. Maybe you need to come back home again. Maybe you know Jesus Christ, but you're thinking about right now, you're thinking about something going down a path that's unwise, going down a path that's reckless, Hey, if you're on your way to the city, now is the perfect time to come to your senses. Now is the perfect time. Don't wait until you go to the city. Don't wait until you prove how worthless this path really is. Come to your senses now. Come back home now. The sooner the better. Be very careful, man, how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If we want to walk with Jesus carefully, we need to delight in wisdom. We need to Reject foolish living. Reject sinful living. Abandon folly. Delight in wisdom. We need to have a most making hopefulness and believe God can do in our lives, through our lives, and in the lives of people around us miracles. That's how we'll make the most of every opportunity. And it's all founded on a vision and an understanding of God's will. That's what brings focus to our lives and purpose to our lives. And 
fellow believers, I think that's what God is calling us to do in our careful walk with Jesus. I just want to call the worship team up here. I'm going to close with one more thought. You know, as we as we uh, think about this, I don't want you guys walking away today thinking, okay, the application to John's message here is I'm going to reach down and I'm going to grab my bootstraps and pull real hard. Do you know what the passage is right after this? It's, it's, it just simply says in verse 18, don't be drunk on wine, which leads to wasteful living or debauchery, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because you might do things when you're drunk that you wouldn't do sober, that you wouldn't be proud of. But when you do things when you're, you might also do things that you wouldn't normally do when you're filled with the Spirit. That you will be thankful for every time. There is a dependence on God in this. The only way you're going to be able to carefully walk with Jesus is if you turn to God and give all of this effort. It's not grabbing your bootstraps. It's looking up to Jesus and saying, oh God, help me. I'm going to depend on you to walk carefully in my walk with you. Hold my hand. Lead me. Guide me. Give me the strength that I need. You know who was really good at this careful walking? Let me tell you. His name was Jesus. Jesus had a vision of God's will. Jesus said in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. And he went right to the cross with it. Jesus had a most making hopefulness. Jesus, when everybody else gave up on the dead, Jesus walked out and he touched the casket and the man got up. He touched the blind man and he could see. He called Lazarus out of the grave. Jesus had a most making hopefulness. And Jesus delighted in wisdom. Jesus knew the right thing to do every time. And he made the wise people in that world look like fools with his questions and his answers. He always did what was right. He delighted in wisdom. He was wisdom incarnate. So as you picture and try to model your life and walk more carefully, look to Jesus for your example today and let's worship him and thank him for the example he set. Amen? God, we thank you for your son. We thank you that he enables us to walk carefully with him and we turn to him freshly today and worship him.